Grace, peace, and mercy are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As we have been journeying with our Savior this Lenten season, we've been looking at the theme, the critical hours. And during those critical hours, we look at the people and the events and the actions that took place that lead to our Savior's crucifixion on the cross. It's actually interesting to note that the word crucial comes from the Latin word for cross. Now, also in our modern usage, I think we've come to see the word crucial to mean critical or decisive. And perhaps with the war in Ukraine going on, you've heard those words on the news, the critical, the crucial, the decisive decisions and actions that have been taken, the decisive victories or the critical infrastructure that has been destroyed. You've probably heard that there are crucial hours taking place, the critical and decisive actions that in some ways could change the fate of this world, or at least right now trying to keep the world from tearing itself apart. Well, when we look at our Savior's passion, those crucial hours, there were critical and decisive actions taken by Jesus and those around him that led up to those final moments on the cross. But during those critical hours, we noticed tonight that one of the things that Jesus did was that he would keep the Passover with his disciples one last time. In some ways, in those critical and decisive hours of our Savior's life, he was going to change, really, the fate of the entire world. We read tonight a very short verse taken from Matthew chapter 26, verse 18. He said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. Now you might be thinking to yourself, in the whole scheme of things, these words seem pretty insignificant compared to everything else that Jesus had spoken, everything else he had taught and, and he had preached. They seem pretty insignificant, perhaps, compared to those very famous words that our Savior would later say from the cross. But even here, in these simple words, our Savior is fulfilling that, that marvelous plan of salvation that his heavenly Father had laid out in front of him. Jesus would do everything that was required by the Old Testament law, all the rituals, all the customs, all the Old Testament observations. So Jesus would keep the Passover, that ancient meal full of all sorts of symbolic elements. It was a meal that on one hand would remind the people of that terrifying night when the angel of death went through the Egyptian lands as that angel would kill every firstborn child of those who did not believe a direct condemnation against Pharaoh himself. But it was also a night of celebration, a time to remember how the angel of the Lord had, had passed over, right over those houses where the people had taken the blood of a year-old lamb and, and painted it on their doorposts. So it makes perfect sense then that Jesus, a Jewish-born male, following Old Testament laws and customs, would keep the Passover. But not everyone had kept the Passover in Israel. 
Over the years, perhaps because of apathy, perhaps of other things going on, they failed to keep the Passover. Other times, they just simply went through the motions, but their hearts were far from it. They did it out of obligation. Sometimes they hadn't kept the Passover, maybe because of war or personal tragedy or or even exile. There were certainly people who were just going through the motions, people whose hearts were not there. We know that night in Jerusalem, there were some. At that very moment, their hearts were very far from, from actually observing the Passover as they were seething with anger, as they were plotting at that very minute how to kill this Jewish upstart named Jesus. Now, the amazing thing is, all along, Jesus knew this. He knew what was going on in the background that night. Jesus knew the, the hearts and minds of those who had gathered to celebrate and to eat that meal with him. He knew about Judas, that man who at that very moment was still trying to pretend that he was Jesus' friend, but would go on to betray him. And Jesus knew all that. He also knew in just a few short hours the suffering and the pain and the torture and eventually the death he would endure. And so you might look at Jesus, and if there was anyone in all of Israel who might have a valid excuse to skip out on the Passover that night, you could probably grant it to Jesus that that maybe he could just leave and, and find a place where he could spend some time alone. And yet in those crucial hours, Jesus would keep the Passover. But it wasn't just the Passover that Jesus had kept If you go back through his entire life, Jesus had kept every one of God's laws, requirements, and commands. Never once did Jesus take a shortcut. Never once did Jesus look for the easy route or or try and find a, a way to get by or to make an excuse or to get a free pass. Now, Jesus kept every single one of God's commands. But just think about that in in relation to our own lives. Think about how hard it is for us to keep just one of God's commands even for a few moments. We like to make excuses. We hope that maybe God will give us a little bit of wiggle room on them. Maybe he'll give us some exemptions or or maybe he'll say, those ones don't apply anymore today. We know what God says in his word. We know the commandments. We know the third commandment tells us that our God loves to hear from us in our worship to come before him, to sing his praises, to honor him, but, but we might make the excuse, yes, Lord, but I'm just too busy right now. Maybe later on. We know that God very clearly says, love God and love your neighbor, but then we rationalize it in our minds and we say, well, he doesn't mean those neighbors, at least not those neighbors who are never nice to me, only the neighbors that do nice things for me, those are the ones I can actually love and we come up with all sorts of excuses or maybe we go through God's commandments and we pick and choose and we decide these are the commandments that that I think I can keep these are at least the commandments that do not run countercultural these days but is that what it really means to keep God's commands does God just say yeah just try a little bit just try as much as you can good enough will count not at all. 
In fact, God wants us to keep his commands 100% of the time. And like the apostle Paul, as he was writing to the church in Galatia, we hear these, these condemning words. He says, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. You see what that means for us. It means we stand condemned because we have not kept everything that was written in the book of the law. So that's where we have to stand back in astonishment, amazement, that Jesus did keep everything written in the book of the law. That Jesus kept every one of God's commands, that there was no excuse, that there were no exceptions made, that he never got a free pass, he never had it easy. No, Jesus kept every one of those commands. Because you might say Jesus practiced what he preached especially as you consider his words in that famous Sermon on the Mount, as Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Now, these very words of our Savior are crucial in our understanding of just what God means and how serious he is when it comes to keeping his word. He reminds us that not even one letter, not even the the slightest stroke of a pen should be removed from it. But then again, think about that in relation to your life, how often we'll take entire sections of scriptures that maybe we disagree with. Maybe we just don't like, maybe we just don't want to hear, and we throw them out. How many times we rationalize and we try and figure out which parts of scriptures we can actually believe that don't run in conflict with our world today. How often we take God's word for granted and maybe out of context, and rather than condemning sin, we instead condone it. Thankfully, Jesus did not look at God's commands this way. Our Savior Jesus was not going to make any excuses. He wasn't going to take anything out of God's word. No, Jesus would keep every one of God's commands 100%. Jesus took God's word seriously. And that's exactly what we need in a Savior, a substitute who would stand in our place. He had to be absolutely perfect. And so on that night, as Jesus was going to be betrayed, Jesus would sit down with his disciples for one last time to celebrate the Passover. Again, that ancient meal full of of symbolic elements, as you might even say, Jesus in some ways provided miraculously the very place for them to, to have the meal. And then Jesus serves as the host. But we also see that later on, Jesus would also serve as the very humble and lowly foot washer that evening. And there were those elements, the bread and the spotless year-old lamb. But that Passover meal was not just about what had happened years ago in Egypt. It wasn't just a celebration of being released from their captivity in Egypt. No, it was much more as it was pointing ahead. It was pointing ahead to the perfect lamb of God, the perfect bread of life. And now Jesus was there. Jesus was in their very midst. 
as he was fulfilling that prophecy that was spoken three years prior to this by John the Baptist, when he saw him, he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, when we think about Jesus and his life, maybe some people will look at the miracles he performed. Some might look at his great teaching. Maybe others in our world will look at the civics and the the social agenda he promoted. But we know why Jesus came. Jesus came to be that perfect Lamb of God. Jesus came to stand there and endure the full wrath of God that was pointed directly at him. Jesus, as he hung there on the crux of the cross, would give his life for the sins of the world. And because of that, my friends, there are no need for pilgrimages anymore. There are no need for the rituals or the ceremonies. There's no need for those religious observations. We don't have to celebrate the Passover anymore. But I don't want you to think that all of God's commands we should just throw away. It's not the excuse for us to to go around and have a license to sin. It doesn't give us the the justification for us to to go and and rewrite God's laws to suit our fancy or to change them to, to fit in with society. But the exact opposite is true. Once we know what our Savior has done for us, the new life that he has given because of his sacrifice, it motivates, it encourages us to, to live our lives in reflection of his love. To then go and love our neighbors as ourselves. To love our friends and family, and yes, even to love our enemies. Because you see, even the slightest, smallest things that we do for God really are a big deal to him. Perhaps it was that time you had that nice, juicy piece of gossip, but you didn't let it cross your lips. Or maybe it was that time that you kept your eyes from lusting or your mind from holding on to that hate. Perhaps it was in those crucial moments of your own life when it seemed like the world was was tugging at you, trying to pull you back into the darkness, but you stood firm in your faith. Now again, we're not going to be perfect at all in all of this. But we do have one who was who is and who is still perfect standing by our side. This is the critical, the crucial information that our world is so desperate to hear, that our Savior Jesus has won a decisive victory against sin and death. And because of that, my friends, those who believe this, well, the doors of heaven are wide open to them. Amen.